We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Did you finish Did you that? Did that? We're, <laughs> we're about halfway there. We're just saying that it's off to a nice start. Why does it have to be all or nothing all the time? Like, what am I doing? I'm doing it for the show. Field of 68 till I die. This is the Field of 68 After Dark Show, the only place that you need to be for college hoops every single night. You picked a good night to join us live on the Field of 68 After Dark. We have upsets galore. Some are in the books. Some are building as we speak. It was a high-level night of college basketball across the country, and we are here to break it all down for you. I am joined by Matt McCall, by Tyler Hansbro. My name is Greg Waddell. You can find us on the SiriusXM app. We're brought to you by Bet Rivers. If you're watching us on YouTube, click that subscribe button, hop in the comments. We do pay attention to those. We may even answer some of your questions or bring up some of your comments on this very show. And gentlemen, we have a lot to get to tonight. I think this is the most excited I've been for a show this year because there are some shocking results across this sport tonight, and I can't wait to hear what you guys have to say. Let's start, as usual, with our toasts of the evening. There's a lot of directions that we could go. (laughs) McCall, I'm throwing to you first tonight. Who you got? I mean, I know we're going to dive into BBN, and everyone wants to talk about Coach Cal and the X's and O's. I want to toast Lamont Paris and the South Carolina Gamecocks for the response they had coming out of the loss to Tennessee. Uh, my man, Eddie Shannon, fellow former Florida Gator, is on the staff there. He actually, in 1996-97, him and a guy by the name of Jason Williams took an under 500 Florida team into Rupp Arena. I think Eddie had 11 points in that game. Jason Williams had 24 and went on a run to knock off the number seven ranked Kentucky team in the country in that game. And Eddie's on Lamont's staff at South Carolina. So I want to toast those guys. And I know we're going to dive into the to the BBN, but man, credit to them, the response uh, coming out of that Tennessee game. So credit Lamont Paris, his team in South Carolina. Go Gamecocks. Cheers. Tyler, who you got? Uh, I'm going to give my toast to uh... – you know, even though we're not going to win tonight, UNC, it's going to be Jalen Washington, a uh, kid coming off of ACL surgery, uh, stepped in for Armando, who got hurt, having a great game. Uh, I've seen how hard he's worked in the summer. 
So I'm glad to see that it's paying off and he's having a great game. I think he's going to be a heck of a player. So here's my toast. Cheers. Yeah. I mean, big shoes to fill clearly, but uh, on the fly to be thrown into that spot that deserves a cheers for sure. All right. I'm uh I'm sticking in my country, my territory here. I'm going to the big 10 and there's a lot of uh, divisive opinions about this team. We may get to them. It's such a packed night. I don't even know if we will get to them tonight, but I'm talking about Illinois who has had a very tumultuous last month. They were looking like one of the best teams in the sport early. And I would say, looking back on it, a big reason why was how good Terrence Shannon was playing. And whatever you want to point fingers at over the last month, the bottom line to me, they haven't had that same Terrence Shannon. They got that same Terrence Shannon tonight. 25 points, 11 rebounds, 4 assists. Uh, I believe he had 17 points at one point late in the first half, and Nebraska had 20 themselves. He just kept finding open spots. Maybe it was Nebraska leaving him open, but he was hitting shots tonight. He was aggressive, uh, downhill, straight line drives, defensive impact, all of it. All the things that make him a high-impact two-way player uh, that was there early in the season were back tonight, and I don't think it's a coincidence that Illinois might be back. I don't know if we can go all the way there yet. We'll wait till the Illinois segment to say it, but cheers to you, Terrence Shannon. You've earned my respect again, my friend. All right, we have to start where everybody knows we have to start. And if I had a second toast to give out tonight, it would be to the fan at Rupp Arena who was thrown out of Rupp Arena for saying, please go to Texas on a sign. That's what he wrote, because I'm I'm not saying I agree with that sign. Wow. I'm just saying it's a ballsy move to bring that sign into Rupp Arena. Uh, and I don't know if that fan got what he was hoping for tonight if you can even call him a fan but South Carolina stuns Kentucky 71 to 68 there was a buzz in that building for roughly 40 minutes I mean there's been rumors John Calipari may leave this program to go to Texas there's mutual interest and then all of a sudden a team that got ran out of the building against Tennessee by 40 just mere days ago walks into Rupp Arena 20 point underdogs and they led from start to finish they were up 10 points almost four minutes into this game, and Kentucky never led again. I mean, they clawed and they chipped away in that second half, cut it to as close as three points with 20 seconds left, had some shots to tie the game late. Ultimately, they did not connect, and it didn't happen for the Wildcats. But we've talked for months. Matt knows this. We've talked for months. Is this team a tournament team? That's not the conversation anymore after tonight they've got a long way to go just to even reignite that conversation so let's let's just step back Matt I'll throw it to you first again where do we go from here well I think a couple things first let's start with this and the criticism of coach Cal and even for a fan to have a sign that says go to Texas all right coach Calipari is a lifetime contract at the University of Kentucky and everything that he's done he hasn't forgotten how to coach and everyone wants to talk about the x's and o's and this that and the third and that you know it, he hasn't for should he find ways to get Oscar Chigwe the ball more down in the post yes but you know it's all about more like sustaining and fighting for culture and that's one of the hardest things to do like drawing up a timeout coming out or drawing up a play coming out of a timeout like that's the easy thing to do right it's hey what's going on in that locker room right are guys unhappy is this guy unhappy maybe this guy's getting more money in nil i don't know but like that's the more challenging part like coach cal like 
hasn't forgotten how to coach. And then you throw on top of this, now the whole Texas thing, that's another thing that everybody's having to deal with and everybody's hearing. And that's another distraction that's being put out there while they're trying to come together and find ways to win basketball games. So I think it's more of a cultural issue right now than anything else and the distractions and the noise and now BBN's not happy and everybody in that program, including coach Calipari, who's in the Naismith hall of fame is feeling that the players are feeling that everybody's feeling it. Right. And we'll dive into more like X and O should they do this and their defense. And I mean, tonight they were giving up layups and wide open threes, but I think it's more of a cultural issue right now and the distractions of all the noise outside and those guys not being able to block it out and focus in on, hey, man, we got to defend. We got to rebound. We got to make free throws. Like, look at the stats that, that from tonight, right? South Carolina shoots 55% from three. They out-rebound Kentucky by four. Kentucky was seven for 14 from the foul line and only had nine total assists in the game. Like, a lot of those numbers – it's effort-based. And effort, a lot of times, man, if you're not playing hard, there's other things going on and there's other distractions and that comes into play when you're out there trying to perform. So we can be critical of what they run on offense and, hey, man, let's run some screening action to get Oscar Chigwe the ball down on the block because he's not getting it down there enough and your best offense is when they throw it up off the backboard, let him catch it and go lay it in. You know, South Carolina at times was allowing Wheeler to get to his left hand. Let's run more pick and rolls where we're allowing him to get downhill. You can be all critical of that, but to me, it's the effort plays and all the distractions and all the negativity. Everybody in that program is feeling it. It's hard to go out there and perform. Tyler, is that something that Cal brought upon this team himself though? Like as far as cultural problems, because you know, I think Kentucky's had great teams last year's result didn't end well, obviously, but that was a pretty damn good basketball team over the full course of the season spun into this year. And all of a sudden it's like, Oh boy, there's a lack of effort. There's a lack of leadership. There's, is it just a bad roster he put together? Is it something he needs to fix on the fly? Or is this just like a, an indicative result, a domino effect of some of the stuff Cal has brought upon this program himself this season? Well, it, first of all, it is Kentucky. And so there's not going to be a season where fans aren't going to be critical. And no matter how good you play, not everyone's going to be satisfied. It's Kentucky basketball. Uh, but Cal, I mean, you know, he's, uh, you know, he's, you know, that's what you get when you coach Kentucky. And uh, for me, uh, the way I look at it, first of all, they didn't have a three point, uh, you know, they didn't make a three pointer in the first half. Uh, I've said that they're shooting. It looks like they have a big flaw that, that they can't really make threes. Uh, and so they're not opening up uh, enough space for Toshiba down low. Just seems like the defense is collapsing on them. And, uh, you know, you can question their effort. But when I watched the game, late in the game, it looked like Kentucky might pull it out. It looks like they they fought really hard for the last five minutes and I really thought, I was like, man, South Carolina is going to let this one slip. And I don't understand why they don't play like that from the tip. And uh, it is a little concerning uh, from my perspective because you see a little fight 
and it's it's already too late. I mean, they're the game's over. Uh, so I would start there. Why can't they play with that? But you know, my question, you know, maybe maybe for you, Matt, is you know, it, it looked like they were pressing the whole game, and then why would you, if you have success with pressing, why don't you press more? Yeah, and the other thing too, Tyler, I think you bring up a good point. Like, look at their look at their defense in the half court, right? South Carolina is running pick and roll motion. They're running pick and roll continuity, and South Carolina's ball handlers coming off ball screens are able to keep getting downhill. There's no resistance. Like, there's no hard hedging. There's no trapping. There's nothing to keep from South Carolina's ball handlers getting down in the lane. And then what happened was if they weren't getting down in the lane for layups, they're getting down in the lane and they're finding three-point shooters on the backside. There was no adjustment to that pick-and-roll coverage of, hey, all right, we're going to press, and we're having success with this press. And I've said this before on the field of 68 in terms of Kentucky. You have length. You have athleticism. Why not press? Why not press the mm-hmm. whole game? Why not try to create some turnovers? You struggle to score in the half court. So a way to get some more easy baskets would be to press and force some turnovers. But do the same thing in the half court, too. Like, there was no resistance in terms of pick and roll coverage. Like, you watch that continuity, and and I was a big fan of it and ran it my entire head coaching career in terms of pick and roll motion. I used to call it special. Some coaches call it bigs high. Everybody's on the perimeter, and the floor is constantly moving. But when that ball screen's being set, there still needs to be a level of pick and roll coverage. And are you going to blitz? Are you going to be aggressive up there and maybe show quick and get back? Whatever it is. But South Carolina's ball handlers were able to get down the lane. They were able to get down the lane off those wing pick and rolls, and there's no resistance. So I'm with you. Press. Be aggressive. Maybe that ignites your team. Maybe that ignites Rupp Arena, one of the best places to play in college basketball, right? When you get some turnovers and get some dunks. But, man, you got to play with that same level of tenacity in the half court, especially when a team's running ball screens. You can't let these ball handlers just come off and create and see the whole floor. Yeah, I agree. And also, when I was watching the game, I saw Cal starting to mix up the lineup and play the Fe- the Frederick kid a little bit more to provide some shooting. Uh, but you're right. When I see Kentucky play uh, – I think they're best when they're running. And for me, Toshibwe has really been scoring when he gets out and he rim runs and he even got a steal in the game and brought the ball up, went the full link and scored. Uh, so, yeah, I think they need to get out and run more. But you're right. I mean, I thought their their effort, you know, it looked kind of like a, you know, they're just getting it handed to them, you know, just getting an old-fashioned right there and rump uh, by South Carolina. So, you know, I, I think they do have a lot of problems. Uh, and – you know, you, you know, Cal's a Hall of Famer, and uh, you know, but Kentucky has no problem putting anybody on the hot seat. And I, I don't know how you flip <laughs> this uh, this season right now, but uh, yeah, I mean, it is not in a good state for sure. Yeah, there's a couple things you can scan up and down the box score that jump out at me. Uh, and while I'm about to do this, I must also say in the background, Kansas has just gone on a 16 to two run in the final four minutes of this game to steal back the lead against Oklahoma. They now have a four point lead with 13 seconds left. We will certainly yeah, Greg, move. They're, 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 they're saying rock chalk right now. Okay. Yeah, they're, they they're are. They're saying it. Okay. That's what always happens in that building. <laughs> you can be up big. Doesn't matter. Right. Absolutely I was an assistant are. at Florida. We were up 18 in the second half 
and all of a sudden you start hearing that rock chalk. There's something different about it. Yeah, I think Grant Sherfield and uh, Tanner Groves are seeing some ghosts right now. We'll see. Not over. 13 seconds left. It not looks over. like Oklahoma may yeah. cut it to a two-point game here. But a couple of things that just popped out to me in, in big screaming eyeball emojis when I look at this box score. First of all, Cason Wallace leaves the game with an injury. He only plays eight minutes. And to me, we've we've talked a lot about the problems with the roster itself. And for this Kentucky team to make any sort of leap ceiling wise come end of year. For me, it's always been about Wallace. It's always been, can he take on some of that responsibility that the NBA guards that Cal has had year after year, after year, after year in this program, can he do that? I think he could Uh, certainly he didn't tonight, but again, that was due to injury. And if you take him off of this team, you're really missing all of that, all of the three-level scoring stuff you would look for from a guard, and he's a great defender as well. And then beyond that, Oscar and Severe Wheeler both played 40 minutes in this game, and I think that speaks to a, a little bit of a lack of depth, and when you're losing guys to injury on top of that depth and you need your point guard in your center to essentially play through mistakes, play through foul trouble, play through anything that's going to pop up in a game, not get a breather. It's just a lot to ask from a roster that's not necessarily constructed the best way around it. And then finally, um, I mean, we we talked to Michi Johnson. We're actually going to show an interview. The three of us got to sit down with him about an hour ago. But Michi Johnson attempted 10 threes in this game. He hit six of them. That's as many threes as Kentucky's entire team attempted in this game. They had one three-point attempt from their starters in this game like that's just unheard of in today's era in college basketball uh, I alluded to it though Michi Johnson was the star 26 points six rebounds six assists tonight uh, in my opinion he was the best player on the floor at least on the offensive end and uh, Mr. McCall Mr. Hansbro and I did get to sit down and talk to him after their big win against Kentucky all right we are pleased to be joined by South Carolina's Michi Johnson 26 points six rebounds six assists and most importantly a win in Rupp Arena against the Kentucky Wildcats uh Michi I flipped the game on I mean halfway through the first half because I started seeing some buzz on Twitter okay South Carolina's off to a good start and within seconds I'm seeing you just on fire from deep was there something in the matchup tonight or was it just you you felt good in warmups what was it that got you started tonight man um all i can say is god is good man uh it's been a long year uh started off the season dealing with an ankle injury so they didn't really get to show as much as i you know have been showing lately um and didn't shoot it that well versus tennessee and um looking at some of the best shooters in the world and some of the people that i know i always got the advice to keep shooting and keep staying confident um, and that's what I wanted to go out there and do tonight. Um, and honestly, it felt good. And I just kept shooting and kept going in. And yeah, we're here now with the with the win. Michi, you got a you got a coach on your staff and Coach Eddie Shannon. He knows yes, what it feels like to win in Rupp Arena. He did it one time when he was with Jason Williams at the University of Florida when Jay Will and him put on a show yes, in sir. there. And there's no better feeling to win there when BBN starts headed for the exits, that blue and white starts yeah. starts walking up those aisles and they start heading for the exits. Just talk about the celebration in the locker room afterwards and just how good that felt to get in there and celebrate with your teammates. Me personally, growing up, uh, being one of the top players in the country and coming out of high school, Kentucky was always a dream school of mine. Um, and I only say that because I'm a point guard and I grew up watching people like Tyler Eulis, 
um, the Harrison twins, all the great guards who came in there. So I always had that dream to play in there and to go out there and share that win with my teammates and then to get in that locker room. It was it was an amazing, amazing feeling because for us, we're coming off a 40-point loss to Tennessee, one of the best teams in the country. And you go on the road and be obviously one of the elite programs like Kentucky. It, it's just a, a great feeling to have, man. It's good for the program. So you alluded to the the Tennessee game last week, and I don't think anybody's looking at you sideways for losing to Tennessee. That's one of the best teams in the country. You might have felt this in the arena tonight. There's a lot of Kentucky fans who aren't necessarily happy with Kentucky this year. What did you see yeah. from from that team? Did this feel like typical Kentucky to you? Um, I don't I don't know what they have going on, honestly. Uh, to be honest, to me, they're still a team. They have great pieces, great players. Um, and sometimes you go through struggles like that, man. It's still 15 conference games. I don't know their schedule, but I'm sure if they want to turn it around, they can turn it around. So, um, again, it was just a team that me personally, I felt like I had to come out against an attack mode. And, you know, I got to show some of that tonight. But, again, I think that they're a great team. Um, I think they can turn it around if they if they uh, fix some things within their, within, the, uh, within their program. I don't know what's going on or anything going on. But, again, great team. Uh, off night for them, but I do think they could turn some things around if they piece it all together. Michi, you're from Cleveland, Ohio. Yes, sir. You're one of the top players in high school. You decide to go to Ohio State. Yes, sir. You make the decision to transfer to uh, to South Carolina this past off season and play for Coach Paris, yes, who sir. had a tremendous years at Chattanooga and goes to South Carolina. What yes, was sir. it about Coach Paris that drew you there that you wanted to play for him? And to go out and have a performance tonight with him, with your teammates, how important that what was that for you? It was very important. Um, just being uh, trusting Coach Paris again, like you said, coming out of high school, uh, was like one of the number three, number four point guards in the country. Tore my ACL. People haven't got to see me play in really a long time. Went to Ohio State early. I skipped my senior year. People don't. People forget that. Um, skipped my senior. So I don't feel like people had to get to see my full game and some of the things I've done really since my sophomore year of high school before I had torn my ACL. Um, and now I feel like people are starting to see that. My coaches have confidence in me. Um, every game he's telling me to go out there and be an attack mode. He really believes in me. He believes in our players. Um, and I, I just couldn't ask for a better situation, a better second chance to be in a situation like this, to be able to be who I know I am and go through ups and downs, to be able to bounce back. Like That's important for a player, confidence, and everything. So uh, I'm just grateful to made the right choice to come here and be here at South Carolina. Couldn't ask God for anything better. Hey, Michi, real quick. Uh, this was a big win for you guys. Uh, Kentucky, this was kind of a must win with their program. Do you guys think, do you think you can build off of this? This will give you momentum in a SEC, arguably the toughest uh, basketball conference out there this year? I do. I do think we can build off this. I think, I thought we was going to come in this game and win. That's just me as a competitor, as a person, but to answer your question 100%, I do feel we can build off this. Um, the SEC is, to me, one of the best conferences in the country. And, again, you can have an off night, you can have a bad night. Um, we have a young team, a lot of freshmen, a lot of new people playing in this conference. So it's a lot that goes into it. But I think if we come out every night, regardless of making shots and doing some of the things we did, if we stay together and, and continue to communicate, I, I really feel like we can build off this and, and, and finish the conference with good momentum. Well, Michi, you showed the country – what South Carolina basketball is all about and what Michi Johnson is all about tonight. So we congratulate you. We wish you a safe trip back to Greenville and uh, good luck the rest of the season, man. We'll be watching.
appreciate y'all. Only thing I can say is, can y'all please list me as a sophomore? They keep telling me, telling everybody I'm a junior. Can y'all please call on us. <laughs> we got you. We got you. We'll put a bug in their ear for you, man. That was Michi Johnson, South Carolina guard, superstar of the night. That was South Carolina guard Michi Johnson, player of the night in South Carolina's big upset over Kentucky. And man, he was just an awesome interview. Great kid, super respectful. You could tell him how much this win really meant to him. Uh, Tyler, what did you see from Michi tonight? I mean, 26 points, six and six speaks for itself, but pretty dynamic player uh, tonight offensively for the Gamecocks. Yeah, I mean, he came in uh, and uh, he hit big shots when uh, South Carolina needed shots. Uh, he stepped up, provided him with huge shots. Uh, and Kentucky had really, they couldn't guard him defensively. Um, and to me, that was a factor in the game. Uh, Michi getting out there and just kind of lighting him up. Yeah, Matt, anything you saw from him? I mean, I think we've known... At least I'm a Big Ten guy, right? We've seen potential offensively from Michi. I don't think we've ever seen him put it together in one game the way he did tonight. Well, I thought he made a good point, too. Listen, he coming out of high school, he was, you know, one of the better players in the country. And, you know, coming off that ACL tear, that, that's not an easy thing for players to come off. With. You, you lose a season, you lose that offseason training and it's not an easy deal for guys to deal with. And, you know, he's showing fully what he can do. I just thought the resilience of South Carolina, because even coming down the stretch, there were some things that were not going well. You know, the out of bounds play where we catch and the ball goes out of bounds off his hands. Um, even the last possession on offense. I mean, everyone's so critical of Calipari in terms of X's and O's. I thought they ran a great action. They got a wide open three. They get the offensive rebound. When they got the offensive rebound, I was like, what do we do now? Right. We got the open look off of screen and rescreen on the wing, wide open three. And it's kind of like we get that rebound. It's like, where do we go from here? But I thought South Carolina, having had that big lead, Kentucky goes on a lead. I thought the resilience that South Carolina showed credit Coach Paris, credit his staff, credit his players for being able to overcome that. Because when Kentucky goes on a run in Rupp Arena, and I know there were some empty seats in there, right? It wasn't packed full like it normally is, uh, but it's still loud and you can still hear it on the broadcast. I just thought that game could have easily gotten away from South Carolina, especially when Kentucky started to go on that run and they made the plays that they needed to make, even making some mistakes down the stretch. I mean, they had two shot clock violations. You know, what was that? Under three minutes, the next two offensive possessions were shot clock violations and Kentucky scored on uh, both of them after that. So they found they had some resilience to find a way to win that game. I thought that was big time for South Carolina. Yeah, 100%. It sort of felt like they were trying to give the game back to Kentucky, and then ultimately they do get the final stop on the final offensive possession when Kentucky had a couple chances to tie. I want to read a, a quick tweet, and then we are going to move to Kansas-Oklahoma reaction in just a moment. But uh, this is a tweet I just saw during the interview uh, from, from Jeff Drummond who is a Kentucky uh, managing editor for Cats Illustrated with the Rivals Network. But he tweets, Kentucky's Oscar Shibwe told us multiple times during tonight's postgame, he's pleading with his teammates to fight, to show some intensity. Said that he told Cal to put in a walk-on if he has to. Just someone who is willing to fight. Tyler, I want to throw this your way. Obviously, uh, given your resume here, I think you can speak on a great big man being willing to fight. But... 
if he's going to the podium and has to beg for it, that doesn't necessarily bode well for where this team is at, right? No, this is not a good state for uh, Kentucky. Uh, you should never have to coach effort, uh, to be honest. And uh, I thought Os- Oscar really fought tonight, too. And uh, I liked the way he played. I thought he played with great effort and tried to make winning plays. Uh, you know, he even got out there and, you know, got some steals and pushed the ball in full court. And he was running. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's something to be said. It, listen, uh, if you're Kentucky right now, I don't think anybody should be guaranteed uh, playing time for sure, uh, especially if you're Cal- Calipari, uh, you know, you know, catching these L's, um, you know, lately, then you got to, uh, you know, mix up the lineup. And if they're not playing hard, uh, you got to, you know, find players that will go out there and play. Yeah, I, I mean, just to follow up, Tyler, like I said earlier, just in terms of like fighting for the culture. Right. Like you can see Calipari over there on the sidelines. He's in a defensive stance and he's screaming. I've never seen him this animated. You've seen him animated before and someone makes a mistake in a game or turns it over. Or he may argue a call, but I don't know since he's been at Kentucky and I don't know how many years I was in the league with him when I was at Florida. I think, you know, four or five when he was there, but he's so animated right now. And you can see, like, you got to be willing to sit some guys and park some guys and fight for that culture. Like, hey, man, this is our identity. This is who we are. This is our standards. This is what this program's been built on. This is what we've done since I've been here. If you're not willing to do these things, then you're not going to play. And we're going to play someone that's not on scholarship. Or we're going to play, you know, the 13th, whatever it may be. And I think right now it's more about fighting for that culture and setting it for them to take a step forward and, and and until they do that, no, they're not an NCAA tournament team and we shouldn't talk about them as being an NCAA tournament team going forward. We don't need to go long on this because we're already almost halfway through the show, but just quick round Robin is Cal, the head coach at Kentucky. Oh, you got to do that right. Now. <laughs> we're going to do it. We're going to do it. Is he the coach? Yes or no. Next season at Kentucky. Somebody take it. Yes. And I hate saying yes, because I, I want to go in on this one. Uh, it's hard to get out of lifetime contract. But yes, I, I think he is a head coach, but uh, his seat is very hot. Yeah, I, I I don't see him unless he leaves and goes to the NBA and tries to, you know, put all his guys in the NBA on one team in a franchise. I don't know who would allow him to do that. Uh, or he just, you know, says, "Yeah, I'm, I'm going to Austin." If if Texas throws him, you know, more money, but I, I, I'm with Tyler. I, I think he's at Kentucky next season. Okay, I'll be the chaotic member of our panel then tonight. I, uh, I think your second option is more likely than your first at this point, McCall. By the way, I'm just, <laughs> I think there really is mutual interest. That's all I'll say. I'm sure more will come uh, in the coming weeks, uh, but certainly a situation that everyone should keep their eye on going forward. We are. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. About halfway through the show, uh, that's what happens when Kentucky loses to a team they were favored to beat by 20 points at home. We have to talk about it at length. We are the Field of 68 After Dark. This is Matt McCall. This is Tyler Hansbro. My name is Greg Waddell. We've got producer Trevor cooking for us behind the scenes. And we're brought to you, as always, by Bet Rivers. You can find us on the SiriusXM app. Watch us on the Field of 68 YouTube channel. All right. Surprisingly enough, there were other results we need to talk about tonight. Let's go to Lawrence, Kansas, where the Jayhawks nearly made it two Blue Bloods going down in big upsets tonight. They were 10-point favorites with our friends at Bet Rivers over the Oklahoma Sooners. Kansas used a 16-2 run in the final four minutes of this game to go from down 10 points to a four-point victory. That's some veteran stuff from the Jayhawks, some clutch stuff from the Jayhawks, some complete both sides of the ball stuff from the Jayhawks. Uh, what did you see in the end game here, Matt, that helped Kansas to this victory? First off, I want to give credit to Porter Moser. I, I thought offensively, you know, Kansas is switching. They're switching pick and rolls. They're doing, I, I thought in the first half, you know, the slip actions that Oklahoma's running and, and getting the matchups they want and getting guards down the hill. I, I thought Oklahoma's offense, especially in the first half, was really good. I thought the the, the possession to end the first half um, where Oklahoma got the ball back off a missed free throw where, you know, the lob play they get and then McClure comes down and he has a dunk. He misses. He makes one of two and Oklahoma's over to score. That momentum going into halftime, you're like, okay, Oklahoma could go on a run here and take the lead in the second half. And that's exactly what they did. But man, like I said earlier, that thing comes to about six, five, six points. If you're up and you're in Lawrence, Kansas, and you're in that building, and all of a sudden a couple possessions go Kansas's way, and I know there's some missed threes by Oklahoma, but that crowd gets behind that team, and that can that can rattle you and, and rattle your focus a little bit. And I think that's what happened. I, I thought Oklahoma played a really good game right up until that last two to three minutes, and that's what – they do in that building. And that's why, you know, they've had so much success. I mean, what's Bill self lost 19 games in there in his entire career. I mean, that, like that is, it's ins an insane number. Um, and that's what happens in that building. Yeah. And most people would argue that that's the toughest place to play in college. Um, and, you know, looking over the box score to get uh, 22 points from KJ Adams, that was a big time uh, step up for him. Uh, him playing well tonight really gave uh, Kansas a boost. Uh, but also, Kansas has been playing these games pretty close lately. And I know they've been pulling them out, but uh, tonight I thought Oklahoma might be the one to get them. Uh, but, uh, you know, they, they came through. And I think Kansas is a, a true contender. And, uh, you know, I think, um, yeah, I think they have the tools to to possibly hang another banner, which is very impressive off of what they did last year. But they've been playing uh, some close ones uh, lately. Yeah, Greg, yeah. think about this, too. You know, it's a four-point game. And we talk about the last two to three minutes. 
Oklahoma's two for 17 from three. Oof. They make two more threes, they win the game. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, I mean, that, that that's how close that game was. And I thought they were getting good looks. I, I didn't think they were taking contested shots or bad shots. Like I said, I thought Porter Moser was running great stuff on offense. I thought he was putting Kansas's defense in a lot of different binds, especially versus that switching. They make two more threes, they win the game. And they're two for 17. So, like Tyler said, Kansas has been in some close games, but championship teams find a way to win those close games right regardless of you know who's shooting what at this percentage like championship teams find a way to win those games and and that's what they're doing right now yeah and and uh matt also you talked about culture with uh kentucky this is kind of the 180 to that right now is where kansas kind of has that winning culture where they know how to win Mm -hmm. and you know guys stepped up you know you know kj adams getting 22 points uh, you wouldn't expect that, but he was playing, you know, making winning plays uh, to win the game. And, you know, that's the difference right now you see with Kansas, uh, especially with their culture compared to Kentucky, in my opinion. Yeah, no question. Totally agree. Totally. So I, w- I was a Kansas skeptic at the beginning of this season pretty loudly. I came on this very program and a few others as well and uh, announced my skepticism in this team. Not in this program, not in this coach, nothing like that, like – uh, of course, they're going to be an NCAA tournament team. Of course, they're going to factor into the Big 12. It's Kansas. But I had questions of what a Bill Self team looks like without a true post threat or a post mm-hmm. defender, post scorer. How is he going to evolve that? What's he going to do differently? And I mean, this team, for this team to have 14 wins in his first 15 games, given those type of roster adjustments compared to what we've seen historically from his program is extremely impressive to me. Um, the other thing is, I, I mean, the freshman Grady Dick has been so good for them this year. And tonight he wasn't tonight. He was one for eight from the floor, eight points, one for four from three. And to me, he's a guy where he, he can't just be a luxury guy for Kansas, if that makes sense, like for them to not be in a dogfight with a team like Oklahoma, they need Grady Dick to be that second option next to Jalen Wilson and maybe on some nights be the first option. And I think he's good enough to do that tonight. I think he was a little bit out of control. Um, I think his first couple shots didn't really go in. He started seeing him just be a little flustered, which is not the most surprising thing, maybe surprising for him, but not for a freshman. And, you know, I give credit to some of their vets like McCuller down the stretch had a couple of huge plays. The big and one to officially take the lead where he went through contact. Um, they've just got a lot of guys that can do a lot of different things on this team. And if they do get that scoring from Dick, then I'm all in on this yeah, team. Yeah, but Greg, like think about this, too. Like everyone talks about and, and Tyler, you could speak to this like the lack of front court. Like they don't have that dominant big, but like McCuller and Wilson. Like, those guys play really, really hard. Mm-hmm. And when the ball is up on the glass, those guys go get it. Like, especially on the offensive end of the floor. Like, if someone else shoots, those guys fly in there and they get Kansas extra possessions on offense. Like, they may be undersized, but they play with an edge and they play with a motor that makes up for that, especially those two guys. I know how talented Wilson is offensively. I know he's a really, really good player, but man, does he play hard. And that makes up for their lack of size. And to me, that's what makes them a title contender. Yeah. Yeah. I I agree with that too. And also, you know, KJ Adams is super athletic. He might not be the tallest person, but he's active on the boards. He's strong. He's physical. All that makes a huge difference. Uh, 
Yeah, and, and especially today, uh, small ball, you don't you necessarily don't have to have a true center, even though I'm a big believer uh in the bigs and having a center, uh, but they just don't have that on their roster. And also I think Dick's only gonna get better as the season goes along. No uh being a freshman, the more experience he gets. Uh and I've said before on the show, it's it's very impressive where Kansas is, uh, you know, coming off of what they've lost from last year. Yeah, absolutely. And uh want to give a little credit to Oklahoma too. I think we, we did a little bit. We kind of skated by it though, but uh, Grant Sherfield, he's a dude, man. Like he's a guy who can go out and win you games in the big 12. Uh, he had 25 tonight, nine for 15 from the floor. He didn't have the big buckets late when Oklahoma really, really needed them. But man, he's been dynamic when Oklahoma has been at their best, when they've had some of these resume wins, it's been because Sherfield's going crazy. Uh, another guy you see finding success in a new home, via the transfer portal. So let's move uh, to the ACC. We're going to talk Tyler's team here. We're going to talk Carolina, the Tar Heels <laughs> at Virginia tonight. Ultimately, Virginia, Tony Bennett gets the win at home. Uh, some tweaks from Hubert Davis. We saw Seth Trimble in the starting lineup for North Carolina tonight. And ultimately, the big story here, uh, Armando Baycott. You hope that he's all right, because that's a, a totally different team uh, if they have to go without him for any significant stretch of this season. So, Tyler, first of all, uh, have we heard any updates on where we are at with Baycott? And then what did you see from your Tar Heels tonight? Uh, no update on uh, Baycott, but I will say it is not the same ankle that he's had issues with uh, from the Final Four and last year. Uh, so hopefully that's a good thing. But it didn't look like a, you know, it looked like an awkward ankle sprain. It's usually you know going the other way, but it didn't look good on TV, especially with the review. Uh, but I will say that I thought this Jalen Washington, this freshman, uh, came in and played very well. And that was big for us because if you know Carolina, you know they lack depth. And this team needs depth to really, uh, you know, go farther in the season. I thought last year, uh, you know, deep in the tournament run, you know, it, it kind of played a factor late, uh, especially in the championship game, in my opinion. Uh, but Virginia has always been a place where we've kind of struggled uh, recently. We haven't, you know, walked away with – uh, many wins, uh, especially against Tony Bennett. It's been a tough place to play. Uh, they're well coached, and you can't make many mistakes. Uh, it's kind of like a mental chess match. Uh, but you mentioned it also Seth Tremble coming in, and I, I actually really like Seth Tremble, Caleb Love, and R.J. Davis playing together. I think those three, uh, you know, they compete, they can run the floor. Uh, obviously, uh, Caleb didn't have the best game, uh, tonight, but I really like that combo. Um, and, uh, you know, I think this might, uh, even though Baycott went out, I think this might help us because Jalen Washington got a lot of experience tonight, but Virginia played a good game and it's a tough place to play. And they, they walked out with the dub. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought Tyler just brought up a good point, right? You're playing against Virginia. It is a mental chess match okay you're going to get to the under eight timeout in the first half and you could look up at the scoreboard and the score could be 13 to 12 and how are you dealing with that mentally when you're a team that's used to scoring a lot of points or hey my offense isn't going really well for me tonight and I have to get my numbers and now I'm trying to be an all-league player or I'm trying to go to the NBA or I'm on draft boards and all of a sudden I look at the score 
and there's six minutes to go in the first half, and it's 15-14. That messes with you. Like the focus level you have to have when you play those games. And then all of a sudden you get to the second half, and it's 33-34 to with eight minutes to go, and then Virginia hits two or three straight threes to extend that lead. Now all of a sudden they got an eight-point lead. And when you have an eight-point lead and you're playing at Virginia and you're trying to – or you have an eight-point deficit and you're playing at Virginia – that's a hard thing to come back from because now they're taking the shot clock down every single possession to two seconds at least before they take a shot. And there comes that mental game again. So um, would it be interesting to see if, if Baycott, you know, I mean, he got hurt in the first minute of the game. Would the result have been different? I, I, I agree with Tyler in terms of other guys getting opportunities and growing up and, and experience. And maybe that helps Carolina moving forward here, but and that, that is a mental chess game playing against Virginia. And when you fall into the trap, they got you. Yeah, and I agree with that, uh, especially Tony Bennett. And also, it's you know, it's a mental chess match trying to watch them sometimes uh, because <laughs> it's so slow. But, you know, I, I will say um, that, you know, I, I do think that this team, uh, Carolina, has struggled with road games. And last year we saw this as well. I think they play extremely comfortable at home, but I think when they get on the road, for some reason, I think they have a tendency to struggle. And I think that would be the next step for this team, you know, figure out how to win games on the road. Because last year, uh, when it got late into the season, everyone started talking about, oh, they need a quad one win, which I hate. I hate the whole quad system. But, you know, everyone points to that when it, you know, helps their argument. But this team needs to figure out how to win on the road. I think that's the next step for Carolina. Yeah, I, we can at least pretend we love the quad system tonight when Kentucky loses a whatever oh, yeah. that was a quad three, quad four loss at home tonight, right, Tyler? That's fine. We love. Hey, whenever it supports tonight. our argument, we're all about it. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, the other thing we should just mention, right? You lose Baycott in the first minute. Obviously, that's. Uh, I mean, that's one of the biggest names on this roster. He's a superstar. We know this. They also had no Pete Nance tonight. Like that's who mm. you would like to turn to if Baycott is to go down in the first minute, like pretty luxurious option to have Pete Nance. They didn't mm-hmm. tonight. Uh, Washington, certainly. I was very impressed with his production uh, for a guy thrown into that role. And I think you're right, Tyler. I think this could bode really well long term for this team. Uh, big picture, though, I, I we don't have to play the quad game, but we do have to maybe do some math here. Eleven and six through 17 games. Uh, we saw this Carolina team flirt with the quote unquote bubble all last season. And then this season they come in as, you know, national title favorites preseason. I think it's fair to call them that. I don't think they're anywhere near the bubble in my personal opinion today, but it's fair to say they have some work to do at this point. They haven't bought themselves as much room for error. Um, Tyler, how much does that weigh on a team, especially this team, given they went through all of that last year? then found the success at the end of the season. Is that weighing them down at this point? Well, I think it probably weighs them down more this year with expectations and having that preseason number one ranking. Uh, You know, and I've said this before. I said this before the season started. It's different when you're ranked number one and teams are coming at you versus not being ranked number one and you're trying to go at other teams. That's a whole different mindset. And to me – uh, being, you know, receiving, getting that number one ranking and maintaining it is the toughest thing to do. Uh, so it's a whole different mindset. 
do I think it's weighing on him? I, I don't know. I think you've got to be in the moment as a player and look what you can do currently to get better. Uh, but, you know, I, I hate to get to the point where the team starts to feel pressure on having to win, must win games. I hate that saying, but I, I just, you know, I don't want to have that type of pressure come late in the season. Tyler, let me ask you a question, though. Do you, do you feel like even early on in this season, because I've I've been on the field of 68 back in November when they were struggling, and I'm like, that, that, just exactly what you said. Coming into the season, preseason rank number one in the country, you've got all these expectations. And really, you're only being ranked number one in the country because you made a run to the national championship game last year, right? Mm -hmm. And you yeah. lose some pieces, you lose Brady Manic, you're adding some pieces, but you're ranked number one based on what happened last year. And that's a lot for a team to deal with, and the expectations can weigh on you. And they affect your performance. Am, am, am I wrong in saying that? No, 100%. I mean, you know, everyone was in the offseason, was happy in a good mood. Uh, you know, when you lose and you're hungry and you didn't have the year you want, you put in the work. That's it's right. a whole different mindset. And you have something to work towards. Uh, you know, last year they went to the Final Four. I don't think anybody expected them to, to reach the Final Four uh, pre-tournament. Uh, and then they got on a roll and got to the Final Four. But – you know, you're right. I, I do think that, um, you know, not being ranked one now, I think they're definitely going to get a little fire and, you know, try to work their way to get some quality wins. So we, we kind of talked through this with Kentucky a little bit. And I think uh, these, these two programs are in very different spots, clearly. I mean, one went to the Final Four last year and uh, sent Coach K packing for, for life, right? Like, we can't compare where the two programs are at when you do that. Oh, contract. no, he's, he's not packing. He's, he's got his leadership council now. He's doing a bunch of different stuff. He's not packing. He's got, sure, he's got sure. other stuff going on. It's a different type of lifetime contract now than what Cal's got, but – um, so we talked motivation though, right? Like big O hit the podium and is kind of like, just, I, I need some guys who play hard. And I don't see that as clearly as an effort or motive, whatever you want to call it. I don't see the issues that we can clearly see with Kentucky here with North Carolina, but I do sort of step back from a broader level and question like, okay, this roster is full of guys who could have moved on from college basketball at the end of last season. And we are now in an era where, I mean, thank God, I think it's a great thing for the game. The players can get paid. And we know some of these North Carolina players have struck big NIL deals. That's fantastic. And now they're back. Who knows if there were pro aspirations, if there were not NIL deals. I don't know. There's a lot of moving parts. But the point is, is it fair to sort of look at all of that and sort of question, hey, do these guys really want to be here where like, you know, 10, 15 years ago, it's like if you're returning to school, there's a mission to do it. Whether you want to go leave a legacy, whether you need to improve your game to get to the next level or something, if you're willingly choosing to not go get paid when you could, there's a reason for that. Do you sort of question that with this group at all, Tyler? Uh, No, I don't. I, I Well, I question every college team, uh, to be honest with you. Not just – I wouldn't hate to narrow this down to Carolina, but this is a whole – college basketball you know kind of what they're dealing with every locker room is dealing with this but I will say that you know turning pro and having those dreams where that's always been in college basketball and so you know guys are going to want to play towards that 
above any NIL deal, in my opinion, that they get. But I, I will say the one thing that uh, everyone was excited about uh, UNC is they're returning a lot of people. Now, when you have this transfer portal and, you know, players can just leave uh, after, you know, one year and go wherever they want and everyone's kind of shifting new places. Carolina said, no, we're going to return everybody uh, except for Brady Manick, which I think people are starting to realize how important Brady Manick was uh, to last year's team, which I, I've been, you know, pretty big, uh, you know, preaching that for a while now because his attitude was contagious in the way he played. But, um, yeah, I think that's why, because they're, you know, experienced and they're returning a lot of guys, but, you know, it's you could raise some questions about some NIL deals. I think everybody wants an NIL, NIL deal right now. I, 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 Tyler, I think you just hit a, a nail on the head in terms of Brady Manick and his attitude was contagious through the whole team. Right, like hundred percent. Is, is Kentucky missing? And I know how good Oscar's been, and and you know he's trying to be a leader and he's trying to say the right thing. But are they missing someone whose attitude is completely contagious through the whole team? Like that th- that guy is so important, right? And I'm not just going to talk about this team because <laughs> I live 40 minutes from them, but. Like I look at a team like FAU and the fact that FAU is not ranked right now with what they've done, they've won 13 games in a row. They beat Florida. They're four and zero in conference USA. Like they're not ranked for whatever they, they lost one game. They lost to Ole Miss and that's without their second leading scorer who didn't play in the game. But you can see every there, there's attitudes that are contagious throughout the entire locker room. Guys genuinely root for each other and celebrate each other's success when it's not my night. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to cheer my teammate on because that's what championship teams do. And like you talk about Brady Manick not being at Carolina and it's like, man, is is there someone that's that they need that they need an attitude that's contagious throughout the entire team. And I mean, I've, I've seen FAU play a bunch. I can't believe they're not ranked. They get a big game tomorrow night at FIU. I'm doing the game on ESPN plus, but that's that's what championship do. They they root and they cheer for each other's success. In 2007, we had an opportunity to go back to the national championship game. It was not Joe Kim Noah's game in the in the national championship game, but he was on the bench cheering his team and rooting for each other's success. That's how you win. And is that what Kentucky's missing? Is that what Carolina doesn't have right now? I don't know, but that's like like you just said, you hit the nail on the head, Tyler. That's that stuff is contagious in the locker room. And we say, hey, there's a problem in the locker room. Maybe that's what they're missing. Yeah. And, you know, that's uh, I think one of those players on every great team you see it and you can point at, you know, players on teams and you say, like, man, that guy, he makes winning plays. Uh, he's diving along the floor. He's taking charges, the old school charge, not the charge now where you just fall and they give it to you. <laughs> uh, but, you know, you know, <laughs> you know what we're doing. T- that's for Rob. That's for Rob. That's for Rob. <laughs> but uh, I mean, you you know what that's about. I mean, it's uh, it doesn't have to be the person that scores. Scoring such a small part of the game uh, as a player sometimes. Sometimes it's about making hard screens, hard cuts, doing the right things. And to me, what I think Brady did, uh, you know, he was a guy diving on the floor, but also he took big shots. He had, you know, the balls to step in there, make or miss to take the big shots as well. Uh, and so does Caleb, by the way. Uh, 
but you know that's it it does we are i don't know if we're missing that but i think puff johnson does a good job coming in off the bench making some of those plays diving on the floor uh and making winning plays as well yeah and you guys have obviously done this at a, a way higher level than i will ever aspire to but i have coached in my day i've coached high school here in michigan and i can tell you one of my biggest takeaways from a decade of doing it was that you can't as a coach instill that in the way certain guys are wired. You can try to teach it, right? But when you've got a player-led team that really just has some of that intangibly, it's so much more powerful than when you have a coach-led team trying to do it. Yeah, so, you have a chance to be really good. Right, exactly. Uh, and for the record, by the way, I'm with you on FAU, okay? Goodman hoops his top 25, which is technically the field of 68's top 25, they are ranked for the record. They are 25th okay, in the okay. latest Goodman Hoops top 25, Matt. So we got you back there. Uh, we got about seven minutes left in the show. We're going to do a quick speed round here because there's a bunch of other teams that played tonight that are not the Blue Bloods that we are going to talk about. Let's go to the Big 12 uh, where there's two of them we want to get to in just a couple of minutes here. The first is maybe the hottest team in the entire country, Kansas State. They had the huge wins last week. Uh, Marquise Noel has been just absolutely fantastic tonight. It was a little bit of a scare. They're down two at halftime. They dominated the second half, end up with an eight-point win against Oklahoma State. How impressed have you been with the Wildcats and Jerome Tang, Matt? Man, I, I, I you look at tonight's game coming after the Baylor game and such a big win for them and an emotional win, especially for Coach Tang to go back there and all the years that he spent there and took his time as an assistant coach and waited for the right opportunity to respond and come out. It was a quote unquote trap game, right? Us, us media people, we always call it a trap game. Like that, that was a trap game tonight. Um, down two at the half, completely took care of business. You could make the argument that Marquise Noel and Keontae Johnson are the two best players in the Big 12, you can make the argument, the best duo. And to see Keontae Johnson, who was preseason SEC player of the year, and go through what he went through to respond, and now he's in the running for Big 12 player of the year. After what he had happened to him, not playing for essentially a year and a half, and to play the way that they did today, or that the way that he's playing right now, is so impressive, so happy for him because he's all about the right things, a high-character kid, um, not a kid anymore, but a high-character player and a high-character college player. But it was a trap game, and they took care of business. And to win a championship, that's what you have to do. Can they win the Big 12, Tyler? No, I don't think they can. But, you know, going off Matt, I think they're one of the biggest surprises in college basketball. I think Kansas is going to win the Big 12. Uh, but uh, – the Noel kid, um, he's he's probably the best player in the Big 12 right now or playing the best, uh, in my opinion. But, uh, no, I think Kansas is going to win the Big Big 12. All right, big one to circle on your calendars. It is a week from today. Kansas State hosts Kansas uh, with major Big 12 implications in that game. But I implore you, if you're just watching the show, if you haven't set out to watch a ton of Kansas State this year, I beg you. Watch this team. They are so fun. The way they are playing right now, that duo that these two talked about, uh, it's one of the most entertaining brands of basketball you will find in the country. The other team I want to talk about from the Big 12 tonight, Iowa State. Uh, and Otzelberger's got these guys cooking, man. You can't forget about them. They're just kind of quietly sitting there. Two losses on the season right now. Tonight, they just boat race Texas Tech. A 34-point victory. Uh, 
a tough team, right? Like I, I'm starting to understand what Otzelberger basketball is all about. That's not a team that I want to play, Tyler. No, they're hot. I mean, Carolina ran into them early and uh, they lit us up. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they, they can get hot and they can light it up. And I think they can compete with anybody. So uh, yeah, it's no surprise here. Yeah, I mean, think about this. Their two losses are UConn on a neutral, top five team in the country, and Iowa, who is playing at a ridiculous level right now, playing that game on the road. They have eight guys that average between six points per game and 13 points per game. So, like, think of the balance there. So, think of those numbers. They're completely unselfish, and they're seventh in the country in total defense. So, you have an unselfish team that defends. That's how you win right? Sharing the ball, moving the ball, and then you guard at a high, high level. That's how you win. And that's, that's why they're having success and winning right now. Yeah. We've, uh, we've got a little merch store. I'm going to do a shameless plug here. Field of 68 dot shop, brand new shirt that we just put in the store tonight. The wizard of Otz, Otzelberger. We're in, we love this guy, man. The yellow brick road to the big 12, a contention for Iowa State this year. That's what we're talking about. Again, field of 68.shop. You can see all the stuff we got in there, but keep an eye out for that one. Let's move to my territory. I saved a full two and a half minutes for my favorite conference in college basketball, Michigan State. Uh, they've been playing great ball, man. Seven consecutive wins now. They had the big rivalry win over the weekend. Tonight they go to the Kohl Center. No Tyler Wall for the Badgers, uh, but still, Michigan State, down the stretch of this game, their veterans were fantastic the same way they were against Michigan. I think this team's a little under the radar, and I think that's where Tom Izzo likes to have his teams. Right, Matt? Yeah, I mean, they were the tougher team, plus 15 on the glass. I mean, that stat alone tells you that they're the tougher team to go on the road um to win like that that's toughness that's what they do that's what their identity is that's who he is as a coach that's what he's always done there at Michigan State um I don't think Wisconsin's this offensive juggernaut uh but that rebounding stat was the difference in the game and uh that's a toughness stat and that's that's what Michigan State does yeah toughness and shooting is what I see from the Spartans uh Tyler you're familiar with the Michigan State program obviously anybody who watched your years at Carolina you can never count out a Tom Izzo team right no, classic Izzo. They're going to beat you up on the boards. Uh, they're going to, you know, a bunch of bangers. Uh, and, you know, this is, you know, Izzo's, you know, this is a good win for them, especially going on the road in the Big Ten. Anytime you get that dub, uh, that's super important. But classic Izzo, just beat them up on the boards, physical game, and uh, walk away with the win. Michigan State is now 4-1 and one in the Big Ten, tied atop the conference with Purdue. They host Purdue next Monday. So keep an eye on that one. But first, they have to go to Champaign, Illinois to take on the Fighting Illini this Friday. Speaking of the Illini, they went on the road tonight, blew out Nebraska. I believe they won the game by 26 points. That is now back-to-back wins for Illinois after a departure of freshman point guard Sky Clark. Uh, We spent a lot of this episode talking Locker room leadership dynamics, sometimes a mid-season shift can help propel a team. Is that what we're seeing here with Illinois, Tyler? Uh, this team is uh, peaks and valleys. Uh, it's, you know, makes it entertaining. But, I mean, th- this team can play with anybody. They can be the best team in the gym or the worst team in the gym. Uh, it's been unbelievable. I saw them when they played uh, Mizzou, and I was just like, man, they have no fight this game. And then they just go – 
you know, a few weeks later, they're blowing out the doors in Nebraska. So, uh, yeah, this is an interesting team. You buy them, Matt? Are you back in on the Illini? I think any time in the middle of the season something like that happens in terms of fighting for your culture and you something, you know, goes down and it gets shaken up and it can bring your locker room closer together. Uh, 25 and 11 for Terrence Sharon definitely doesn't help, right? And if he goes out there and plays like that every single night in that league, they're going to have a chance. But, yeah, I, I, I think you've seen everything's kind of honed in on Coach Underwood and his antics and his timeouts and how ferocious he is and, you know, intense he is. And that gets talked about. And then something like that happens. You lose a key guy on your team. Someone transfers out. You're fighting for that culture. It can bring everybody else together. And I wouldn't be surprised to see Illinois going to run. Yeah, this is an Illinois program that has been atop the Big Ten the last few seasons. Many projected them to be there this year. Uh, took a little bit, I think, to figure out the different personalities for Brad Underwood. We saw them have great success early, a little bit of a dip in December, and now it appears they are back on track. That game Friday night, Illinois-Michigan State, is going to be a fantastic one, and I will even be in the building for it, my friends. I cannot wait. Uh, we appreciate everybody for joining us on a great night of hoops across the college basketball world. Again, we are at the Field of 68. You can see our After Dark shows every single night, every single week of the season. Subscribe on YouTube so you don't miss out. For Matt McCall, for Tyler Hansbrough, for producer Trevor, my name is Greg Waddell, and we will see you tomorrow night on the Field of 68 After Dark.